0: Hey, good morning guys. So thankful to have you all, have you all here today. It's, it's very peaceful in here today. I don't know what the magic is today. Maybe it's a, a storm came through and the weather's, weather's nice, but super thankful to have everybody here today. Um, a few shout outs this morning. I typically don't do that too much, but one is to uh, a guy here who is having a birthday today. Um, are there, is there more than one birthday here today? If it's your birthday, raise your hand. It's just Jordan's birthday over there. Jordan works with me um, and is a stellar, stellar guy, still employed, today's his birthday, so happy birthday, Jordan. <clears throat> over the last uh, 19 months, um, we've had a consistent caterer with us, and it's uh, StuBQ, and Stu, if you just wave to us over there in the corner. Um, let's give him a hand real quick. <laughs> Most of us only get to experience his breakfast, but he has got a phenomenal uh, barbecue business. I, we've catered with him before, probably some of the best beef brisket I think I've ever eaten in my life. So he has cards out there, so if you guys are interested, I know several businesses um, need to cater. Things are kind of coming into that catering time of the year. He is on time, on price, and the food is always above par. So um, take a, take a, a chance and, and go with him for, for one of your events. Also, I just wanted to thank Mark Marquin. Mark, are you here somewhere? He's usually running around. Here he comes. He's running. Um, I just want to thank Mark. Mark and I have been working on this event since we started almost two years ago, and Mark is one of the reasons why this thing happens uh, every month. So I just want to say thank you, Mark, for uh, being my partner in crime in this, and, and I just want to give you a shout out this morning. <clears throat> and then also, um, I just want to say thanks to, uh, to Drew Custer. Drew is our sound guy. He's here every week, um, early. This is uh, sometimes his day off. And sometimes it's his not his morning off with us, and so I'm really grateful to have him here because he makes makes this event happen and make sure the chairs get set up and and because uh, this typically isn't set up like this in this room. So really grateful for Drew and his commitment to this event. Takes us all, takes you guys working, takes you guys inviting your friends to be here to make this event a success, and we're incredibly grateful for that. I also want to let you know that uh, on iTunes, all of these podcasts are on there. Usually a couple days after. Typically, I send an email out let you know when it's been posted. But all the ones from the last, I think, six or seven months are on there. You can just go to iTunes, go to podcast, and you can look for the keyword C-O-T-M, men's breakfast. So they are all on there for you. So you can share those. You can just listen to them yourself if you missed one. I highly encourage you, if you missed uh, Coach Darren Melton's last, last month, it was really wasn't last month. It was just a few weeks ago. But uh, his was incredibly good uh, for us. And if you don't know him that well, great way to get to know him a little bit better. So check that out. Also, um, I am excited to have Brandon Green with us today. He um, is just a super great guy. I got, I got to meet him a little bit through a missions, missions organization that I went with called Global Ventures, uh, and super excited to, uh, to have him here today. Uh, he grew up a pastor's son in the Central Valley, Central Valley of, Tech, of California and has always enjoyed working with his hands and getting dirty, which I love that. Any day I get to work in the dirt uh, is a good day. Uh, he started youth ministry and he was 21 in Kingsburg and currently serves as a communicator for 180, 180 J High on the weekends. Uh, Brandon interned and served at Global Ventures, a local missions organization, for five years. He's been all over the world. This guy's been to Bolivia, Thailand, Cambodia, Philippines, and Canada preaching the gospel. This guy's literally been around the world. Uh, Four years ago, he started working at Church on the Move and oversaw landscaping, and so today, he's one of our uh, junior high pastors here today. So, super glad to have Brandon Curine with us today, and I'll go ahead and
1: have him go ahead and come up. Thanks, Thanks. Brandon. (laughs) Double mic, guys. Thank you, Johnny. I actually met Johnny. We were doing uh, 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 Lights for Life. It's like a a fundraiser would do for missions, and this guy asked me to wrap his trees every single branch, and so that was really, you know, like, being the guy that he is, I'm like, okay, give me the hardest job, and then eventually I did it here at the church, so that's, I kind of learned on your place and then did it here. And I appreciate you pronouncing my name right, you know, like, nothing's worse than, like, having nightmares about when I was in uh, Little League Baseball, and now up to bat, Brendan quirin? like, that, no, man, it's Queeren, Queeren. Um, so, thanks, thanks for the correct, correct pronunciation. Uh, I just want to start off, uh, yeah, those of you guys who don't know me, my name is Brandon, and uh, I just want to give a special shout out or thank you to a few guys here. Uh, John Smithwick, who Johnny just mentioned, um, he runs a missions organization called Global Ventures. I wouldn't be here had it not been for this guy. Um, my dad's a pastor in California. He came when I was real young, and he would preach, and we would do like four nights, and John would come out and preach every night, and I remember just thinking, dude, I want to be like that guy. Uh, he just would preach with such conviction and passion. And I just want to say thank you, John, for all that you are. Thank you, Randy DeBell, another one of the leaders in my life. These two guys have helped sharpen me and uh, really take off the rough edges. Um, I thank God for the leaders that he's placed in my life. Um, also, I want to say thank you to some of these other guys. i got, you know, Chaz, Jeff, John. These guys I work with, CL, Vinny. Um, and then my, my, one of my best friends is running the slides for me back there, Mike De la Cruz, Andrew Boyko. These are the guys who are here, they know me really well, and uh, with all my faults, they still de- decided to come and listen to me, so I'm thankful for that. Um, for those of you guys who don't know me, uh, these guys obviously do know me, but some of you don't know me, I'll give you guys a little bit of a background of who I am. Um, I grew up, like Johnny said, in California, so uh, yeah, sometimes I still wonder why, why I'm in Oklahoma when it's like super cold or super hot or super humid, but um, I grew up in California, the Central Valley, uh, kind of out on, the, out on the farm, on the ranch. And I was in church all the time. My parents grew up, and every time the church doors were open, I was there. For some of you guys who don't know, back in my day, and I'm not old, but I have been in the church game for a while, but there used to be this thing called night church. So basically, you double dip on Sunday, okay? You go in the morning, and you're there in the morning, and then you wait a few hours, and you come back Sunday night, and, uh, if you, if any of you guys have been in it for a while, you kind of know what this means when the worship leader does this, that's like, you've done the course 20 times, but you want to hit it one more time just for good measure. And so uh, I'd be sitting and, and as a young five-year-old, six-year-old boy in your night church, you know, you're, you're doing all you can to survive. You're rummaging through your mom's purse, trying to find like a Tic Tac or a cracker at the bottom or something just to keep you satiated throughout the rest of this long message. Uh, I once survived off a piece of double gum for like four hours and, uh, it was, it was a nightmare, but yeah, that, that some of you guys know what I'm talking about. Some of you may like be new to the church thing, so night church is something different. I remember one time, my parents were standing out front, and after a long service of night church, they were the, the hanging out with the pastor and the associate pastor, and all the couples were sitting there talking, and me as like a five-year-old boy, I was probably pretty hungry. I walked up in the middle of them. I looked up at my mom and dad, and I said, what the hell's going on around here? <laughs> And, and, like, my mom grabbed me real quick and was like, I don't know where I heard that word. Like, yeah, right, you know, you know where I learned that word. So, oh, pastor's wife. So, yeah, it was uh, a lot of good times. When I was eight years old, actually, my dad went into full-time ministry. Well, not full-time. He was, like, doing all kinds of carpentry and painting. But he, he did a part, He was, like, doing, he became a pastor of this church in Orange Cove. I brought a picture of it to show you guys. So, yeah, pretty rough. Not exactly church on the move standards. That's a... Uh, Kids Kids Day coming February 27th, Kids Day was a pretty big deal, I think we blew the month's budget on the graphic art for that, um, for that sign there we have, so that was my introduction to ministry, that's, that's how I was introduced to ministry, my mom and dad kind of passed that church, I don't know how they're still doing it, if I started there, I probably would have threw in the towel pretty quick, I loved uh, competing, always loved playing sports, grew up playing football in high school um, just loved, loved that every minute of it. Um, and when I was like Johnny said, when I was early, early twenties, I started doing ministry, started doing youth ministry. I don't really know that I was biblically accurate or doctrinally sound when I was teaching these kids, but we did have a good time. We, we had hung out and played baseball and football or whatever, whatever sport we could play together. We got real close. Uh, and then later in 2009, I came out to intern, like Johnny said, with John Smithwick, got to see the world, got to preach the gospel. I can remember being in Thailand and. I was outside of this high school and these girls were coming out of school and I was kind of catching them with this translator and I, I, I talked to him about Jesus. as hey, you guys ever heard the story of Jesus? I kind of preached the gospel to them real quick. And I'll never forget um, after I preached the gospel, after I shared the story of Jesus with them, I asked the translator to ask him, have, have you guys ever heard this before? And every single one of them had never heard about Jesus. They'd never heard the gospel one time. And that just kind of goes to show you how lucky we are here. I mean, every Sunday you can go anywhere in the United States and hear the gospel and over there, they had never heard the name of Jesus one time. And I think, you know, in the church in America, it's its awesome that we're doing a lot of good works. We're feeding the hungry. The Bible says, Jesus said that if we give a cup of water in his name, that we will not lose our reward. But we got to remember that we can't leave the gospel behind with the, just the good works. We've got to bring the gospel along with what we're doing. And so that's the most important part. That's the most important assignment the church has. And um, I thank God that God, he, he exposed me to that um, when I was working there with uh, with. with John. And so, anyway, moving on. I started working in 2012 at Church on the Move in the landscaping department with my boys over here, Vince and uh, CL. Uh, A lot of good times there. Uh, One of the rules we have, however, in in landscaping, is uh, No Dead Tree Survives. Okay, we've done a lot since 2012. I don't know if you guys know, but we, we built a park out here. There's a walking path on it. And then we built a garden, and then we have the outdoor event center. So we've done, I mean, a lot of sweat and tears here on this property. But um, like I said, No Dead Tree Survives. And there's a guy here who's got a special technique. Um, his name is CL, and he, he knows how to take out a dead tree. So here, take a look. Yeah! <laughs> So that's the flawless form there. He nailed that sucker. So we don't let that kind of stuff survive. Later, I, I started working with the service support team under Randy DeBell. Um, yeah, Randy's looking at me like, "What were you doing out there? Why are we paying you? Um, videos of your friend kicking trees over? What's that all about?" Anyway, and so I worked with. I worked in maintenance for about a year, and now I am. Uh, I'm working with 180 as the junior high youth pastor. So it's been a long road, it's been a great road, a really cool journey here in Oklahoma and I'm, I'm thankful to God for it. So today we're gonna to be talking about uh, the art of manliness. So what is, you know, where are all the real men out there? Where are like, what happened to the John Waynes and you know, the, the uh, Mike Rose, you know, they got that deep voice or these guys that are just hardcore, you know, the, the manly men, the Chuck Norse's of our time. Where, where are all these guys? You know, what is, how do you, you know, the guys that like the, the red meat still bleeding, the guys that like to get dirty, I get kind of worried about the next generation because they're being raised by their moms. It seems like they're 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 getting dressed up like Barbie dolls or like you know I got some pictures here, and and like what is that? Like he's cute, right? But what kid dresses like that? I mean that's the, you're supposed to be uh, like a, a be raising a man. I got another one. Like what? The, okay, here's a picture of me when I was these kids' age. Okay, that's what a boy's supposed to look like. Boys are supposed to be out there getting dirty, man. Like, I would just run around the ranch and I would just pick up cinder blocks for fun. Boys should be hunting a challenge all the time. Like, I was lifting weights before lifting weights was a thing. And, uh, and we're supposed to have that sense of adventure. I still kind of get bothered. Like, I'll, I'll tell my mom, like, hey, I'm going to go be doing this this weekend or whatever. She's like, oh, be careful. That really, it pisses me off because I'm like, I don't want to be careful. This is like, this, this, life's about adventure and that's okay to be a man. You should be somebody who's like seeking adventure, seeking a challenge you know, wanting, wanting that, that next thing to conquer. We, men are made to conquer. And I think sometimes, you know, we're, we're, we're kind of doing this next generation of young men a disservice if we're not letting them get a little dirty and, and get out there and, and start conquering stuff. My mom's got a video of my brother climbing a tractor tire from like the kitchen window. And he's like two years old. Nowadays, you would never see that. You'd him like, mom would be like sitting there kind of helping him up. Like that's, that's just not what it is. And, and some of you guys might be here and be like, you know, Brandon, I, I don't, I'm, a, I'm a man, but I don't necessarily like getting dirty. Like, I, I don't really hunt or fish. I'm, I'm not into all that stuff. I don't lift weights every day or anything. And does like, that make me less of a man? No, it, it doesn't make anybody less of a man. It's, being a man isn't about that. So um, what is being a man? What, 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 what do we associate with manliness? Some people would say it's what you can do. Some people would say, like, if you can hunt and kill your food and prep it, that makes you a man, or how much you could lift. You know, or if you could fix anything like a car or a truck and, and you go in and there's nothing that you can't do. Like some people would say it would be kind of like your skill sets, what, what a man is. Or some people would say it's what you look like. Now I want to address something. Uh, all these guys, I used to work in operations. All the operations guys are saying, I'm going to be starting wearing the skinny jeans because I'm at 180 now, which is not going to happen because I would not fit into skinny jeans. I'm not built for skinny jeans. But skinny jeans does not define your manliness. However, if you have skinny jeans like this if you're a man with this figure and you have skinny jeans, you could be cutting off some blood circulation to the fellas and you might be less manly if you continue to wear those jeans. Um, so just know if you're, gonna, if you're skinny, skinny jeans can be appropriate. Some people would say how manly you are is it's, it's your status. It's like how much money you make, what car you drive. Where is Paul Gibson here? He's got that monster truck. Like I'm coming to you. If the zombie apocalypse actually does happen, that thing out there came in. And it was like light shining everywhere, but some people associate it with status, how much money you make, where you live. But none of, the truth is none of these things define us as manly or not manly. The truth is this, is that G, knowing Jesus is the key to true manliness, but this poses a whole different problem because our culture has a way of depicting Jesus like, we don't know. Like, who is Jesus really? How do, how do we know who Jesus is? Because I've got a few pictures here. So we've got, you know, the shepherd Jesus, like the holding the baby lamb Jesus. We've got Catholic Jesus. We've got um, laughing Jesus, overly happy Jesus. We've got baby Jesus. We've got uh, hipster Jesus. We've got Rambo Jesus. We've got uh, anime Jesus. We've got uh, porcelain. No, this is a high school photo Jesus. And then... Um, Porcelain faced Jesus, and then of my personal favorite, um, super buff Jesus. And so, yeah, the, our culture has a way of depicting him. And most of the times when you see Jesus in pictures, it's usually really feminine. He's like holding a child or a lamb or something like that. But who is the real Jesus? How do we know who the real Jesus is? The only way to know who the real Jesus is is through the Word. The Bible says this that God. Um, the word became flesh and dwelt among us. So the only way to really understand and know Jesus is through his word. Now our culture and our, in our society today, we like to pick and choose out of the Bible. We're like, you know, I, I like my Jesus like this. I don't know if you guys ever saw that movie. I think it's Talladega Nights or whatever. It's like, I, I like my baby Jesus. I prayed my baby Jesus. Like we choose, we pick and choose things. There's certain things about Jesus that we really like and certain things we don't like. Like when he says, Hey, uh, those who love their father and mother more than me, they're not worthy of me. We're like, Hey, that's pretty rough. Like you know, he says some pretty radical stuff, but we choose to leave certain things out. Here's the problem with leaving stuff out of the Bible is that basically when we do this, we're creating, uh, we take, when we take God out of the context of his word, it's like we're creating an imaginary friend. The problem with that is imaginary friend can't really help you with your problems in life. We have to take God as he is, the way he chose to reveal himself through his word. And so, if we don't do that, if we don't, if we don't take him as he is through his word, then we're really not. We're really kind of putting our place. We're saying, I, I'm choosing how and, and what to take out of the Bible and, and apply in my life, which basically you're putting yourself in the position of God. And uh, we can't do that. The only way to know Jesus is through his word. So, I've picked out a few characteristics of Jesus today that I want to share with you guys. Um, that I feel like if we apply to our lives, it will help us become more manly. The first thing I want to talk about is manly men are submitted. Uh, John 12, 49 says this, I don't speak on my own authority. The Father who sent me has commanded me what to say and how to say it. And I know his commands lead to eternal life. So I say whatever the Father tells me to say. So Jesus was a man who was under authority. He was, he was you know, God in the flesh, but yet he still submitted to God the Father. And that's kind of a hard for us to wrap around. We think of submission, we're like, well, I'm a man, I carve my own path. You know, I'm, I'm my own boss, I'm the captain of my own ship. Submission is kind of like a weak statement. If you really, most guys would probably associate that with weakness, like I'm, I'm not submitted. I don't need to submit because I'm my own thing. But Jesus understood the power that there was in being submitted. And some of you guys might be saying, you know, yeah, we get it. We're all supposed to submit to God. He did create the universe and all that good stuff. So yeah, I'll submit to God. Jesus was submitted to God. So I'll submit to God. But I'll challenge you with this with Romans chapter 13. A lot of you guys have probably heard this verse before. Everyone must submit to governing authorities for all authority comes from God. And those in position of authority have been placed there by God. Now that's a little bit harder because when we're talking about people, we were talking about imperfection. So when you say, if I went around the room and said, who says they're submitted to God? A lot of people would say yes, or at least admit that they should be. But if I we went around the room and said, who wants to submit to their boss? And they're like, no, because he's an idiot. Like, I don't really like my boss, or he's inconsistent, or you know he, he's overbearing. Whatever the case may be, it's true when we're trying to submit to somebody whose flesh we get to see that you know they are flesh and blood and they do make mistakes. It's this way with our pastors too, guys. Like God has placed our pastors in a position over us spiritual, as spiritual leaders, but a lot of times we can't handle it. We can't submit to those people in our life because we're too puffed up with pride. And the problem, the attitude that I see creeping in is uh, this attitude of like, only God can judge me. Here's the problem with that. Why would you actually want that? You're putting your, yourself in a position where you're saying, instead of receiving mercy and grace from God, you're saying only God can judge you. If that's what you ask for, then maybe that's what you're going to get. If you can't receive correction from the people and the men that God has placed over you in life, then eventually you're going to have to learn the hard way. And that's no fun for anybody. It's kind of sad, really, when you think about it. We've got the devil's guys in the Middle East who are willing to strap a bomb to their chest when their leader tells them to go blow themselves up in a building. But in the United States, if a pastor says something like, hey, maybe you should give 10% of your money to the church, everybody gets offended. Like, what, what's this all about? Like, why, why is it that God's guys can't get this concept of submission of like, there's a kingdom and, and we have authority figures and God's a place of those authority figures in our life for a reason. You guys might be saying, you know, Brandon, I get what you're trying to say, but you don't know my boss. He's, he's you know, pretty much a moron. Like, I don't, I don't like the guy or whatever. I don't, we don't get along. He's not a good leader. And you know what? It's true. He might not be. But there's a story in the Bible of a guy named King David King David was um, submitted under a guy named Saul. And Saul was chosen by the, the Israelites to be the king because he was tall, he was handsome, and a uh, good looking guy. So he got, Saul was like into himself. He, he was pretty prideful. And so he would go around and he got all of his approval from the people around him. Well, David comes up and God's actually the one who chose David to be king. So he's chosen by God and he starts to get attention. He kills Goliath and all of a sudden he's winning these battles and all these people are singing songs about him. And Saul's like, man, the ladies are going after David now. Like what's going on? I'm getting, I'm getting left in the dust. And he starts to get jealous and he actually starts to chase David down. And he's determined that he's going to you know, kill David. Like that's pretty crazy when you think about it. And the whole time that he's being pursued by Saul, David actually never spoke a word against Saul. He, he was committed to the position that God had placed Saul in. Even though Saul really wasn't worthy of that position, David honored his position of authority over, uh, David honored Saul's position of authority over him. Now so imagine like going into the, going to work around the water cooler, and you're like, imagine David there. Like, he's like, hey guys, you never know what happened. Imagine what happened to me today. The boss tried to kill me again. I barely made it out with my life. Like, Yeah, that's like what he would be talking about. Now, I worked for Randy DeBell for a while, but it's, it's like that's, that, that's kind of close, I guess, but it's, it's not quite there. Um, for those of you guys that heard him speak a few, <laughs> a few weeks ago <laughs> or a few months ago, but yeah, that, that, that's, uh, that's kind of what his reality was. And uh, he, had, he had an encounter. So Saul was like taking a, a dump in a cave and, and David was just there. And he, he had the chance to take Saul's life, but he cut off a piece of his robe. And as Saul was leaving, David comes out of the cave and, and he, says, he says this. He says in 1 Samuel 24, 15, he says, may the Lord therefore judge which of us is right and punish the guilty one. He is my advocate and he will rescue me from your power. So what he's saying is, Hey, God's going to judge between you and I. What what happens when we submit to our authority figures, even if they're in a position where they're wrong, where they're not doing the right thing? What we're saying is, God, I trust you with my situation. We're not going to take matters into our own hands. We kind of give him, we give it to him, and um, and he, we trust him to work out for us. So we should be praying for those in authority over us. And and uh, God's either going to remove that person out of your life and out of that position, or um, he'll he'll take you out of it. And 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 uh, that's but. The, the point is we need to be submitted uh, to those that God has placed over us because uh, when we do, we're showing God that we trust him. And that's how David he trusted, he trusted God with the situation. The second thing I want to talk about is manly men are steadfast. Hebrews 13, 8 says this, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And I paraphrase Ephesians two twenty: Jesus Christ is the cornerstone of the church. So Jesus doesn't change. He's steadfast. The definition of steadfast is firmly fixed in place, Um, firmly fixed in place, immovable, not subject to change. So that's the the definition of steadfast. The first thing we need to be steadfast with is being steadfast with our words. Um, We need to be consistent with what we say. So if you're a boss, if you're a guy that goes in and you're in charge of people, if you've ever said this, if you've ever had this phrase come out of your mouth from now on, you need to be really careful what you say next because you better be ready to back it up. So if you say from now on, everybody needs to be here at 7 a.m., and then your guys show up at 7.15, then all next week and you don't do anything about it, guess what? Your words just became worth less to those guys. Or even at the house with the family, if you're gonna say something, if you're gonna start to discipline, I've heard dads like go around saying, hey, do that one more time, see what happens. And the kid does it again and the dad doesn't do anything. I'm like, whoo, that wouldn't fly back in my day. Like when I grew up, I was actually lucky to have a guy who's my dad, who I'm super thankful for, who is steadfast, who is very consistent. I can remember one time I was once again in night church getting bored by this guy preaching. And so uh, I was like, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm not feeling this. I'm going to slide back in my seat. I kicked back a little bit. And then I said, I'm just going to throw my, kit, my feet up in the air. So I threw my feet up in the air in the middle of service. And my dad grabs me by the wrist, pulls me into the nursery and swiftly let me know that that was not the right behavior to have. And so a few weeks later, just to see if this would happen again, right? Same situation, night church, it's boring. I'm like, I actually thought this. I said, if I do this again, I wonder if I'll get wonder if the the same thing will happen. So I slide back and I kick my feet up in the air, and sure enough, my dad grabs me by the wrist, takes me back in the nursery, and swiftly let me know that that was not how we were going to behave in church. So I'm super thankful for that. But he was very consistent. He was he was always. I can remember the times in. That I got away with it. That's how consistent he was. Like when he would let me off the hook, but that was important to help me learn what it was to be a man. To be, you know, uh, to be submissive to the leaders, and, and it, was, it was a great learning experience. Another thing I think of is uh, when I think of being steadfast. So I was just in California, and if you've never seen the giant redwoods of California, it is a sight to behold. I've got a picture of them here. Um, this is me and my friend Jordan. So the bases of these trees are massive. Uh, they grow super tall in the air. The, the biggest tree in the world is actually the Sequoia National Forest. It's called the General Sherman, and uh, that's it right there. And it's it's got actually one of the biggest, the biggest branch, the lower lower limbs, is bigger than the biggest tree anything east of the Mississippi. So just a branch off that tree is bigger than anything that grows east of the Mississippi. They're, they're just massive. They're huge trees. And the thing that is cool about these trees is that they've stood the test of time. Uh, that tree has been there for over 2,000 years, and how they Stand the test of time there's several ways then there 's two different kinds of trees that's uh, so that 's the giant uh, sequoia, and then we have the coastal redwoods. What the coastal redwoods do is they grow in groves and so they, they have shallow roots, but their roots intertwine together and um, that 's something about being steadfast If you guys are going to be steadfast as men, you have to have other men in your life so like some of the guys that I had mentioned earlier that you 're kind of growing together that 's how you can withstand trials and and tests. And then this guy right here, he's got 12 inch thick bark that is fire retardant. So whenever forest fires would come through, the underbrush would would, uh, get burnt up, but the tree would be left safe because the the bark would protect the tree from the fire. So I want you guys to see is that these trees stood the test of time and these trees actually go through trials. How many of you guys have had to be steadfast through a really trialing time. I can remember um, I was playing football in high school, and I was fighting this injury. It was an ankle injury, and we were driving down. It was the fourth quarter. It was a divisional game, and it was between me, uh, Kingsburg, and Yosemite, and whoever won the game more than likely would have won the division, and we were down on the two-yard line. I was the starting left guard, and uh, it was like a dive play right up the gap where I I was going to be the blocker, and so we, we run it, and the, the running back hits me in the back, and we both like kind of stumble into the end zone. We go up, and it looks like we're going to win the game. There's 45 seconds left. And so I'm like, yes, like we, we did it. Like we finally we made it. We're going to win the division. Everybody's super pumped up. And I go back to the sideline, and I'm on the kickoff team. And one of the only guys to, that would get recruited to Division One football came up to me and said, "Hey, I know you're hurting. Do you want me to go in for you on kickoff?" And I'm like, "Well, this guy's an athlete. Like, he's the only guy's going to go to D1 after this. So I, I, maybe it would be better for him to be in the game because I am hurt and he's good. And so, sure, like, go ahead. It's just a kickoff. Like, of course, nobody, nothing's bad's going to happen on the kickoff, right? And so, <laughs> the thing about me is, I like, I'm the guy in the middle that breaks the wedge. And I love to hit. I like to kill people. So I was like, he was more of like the, he was a defensive end. So he's used to going around, but you can't go around when you're trying to break the wedge. And so he, he gets in there and the, the opposing team runs the kickoff down to the five yard line and eventually scores uh, the go ahead touchdown with like 10 seconds left. And I always wonder what would have happened if I would have gone in the game had I not left my post, had I been steadfast with my position. I quit right in the moment where victory was at hand. And I know there's probably some people going through a trialing time right now. Just know this that you never know when victory is going to come. You never know when God's going to give you the battle and, and, and kind of put you over the top. For me, it was just one more play, one more play that I stayed in, and, and I still think that we probably would have won that game. And, uh, you know, it kind of haunts me to this day. But some of you guys might be saying, you know, I've never, uh, I'm not really going through a trial, I've, I'm, there's nothing really major is going on in my life. What your challenge is, you need to be steadfast in the ordinary. And so what that might look like to you is, you know, one more day at the office, one more conversation you need to have with your kid, one more spanking, one more changing the diaper, one more meal made. I don't know what that looks like to you, but being steadfast in the ordinary, just going to work, clocking in on time, like being, being that person who's going to be reliable I know for me, when I was working with the service support team, yeah, it would, it would get a little bit old sometimes coming in, and uh, basically, we were glorified housekeepers during service. The service support team would go through, and some of these guys know what I'm talking about. Like, we would go through, and we'd clean these, these countertops and the, the sinks, and, and we would make sure the building smelled good, looked good, felt good. And uh, just so you guys know, some of you guys have terrible aim, because part of what we did was clean up the urine off the ground, especially you 6 p.m.ers. You guys really need to focus on that urinal. Go ahead and get the stream in. And uh, we'll, 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 we'll all be better for it. So anyway, <laughs> um, but that's what we would do. And, uh, and, uh, and, and it can get mundane. I know a lot of us have jobs like that where we just feel like we're going to work. We're going to work. We're doing our thing. We just, but that's part of it, man. Being steadfast in the ordinary. This is what Luke uh, 16, 10 says. It says this, we can be trusted with very, whoever can be trusted with very little can also be trusted with much. And whoever is dishonest with very little will also be dishonest with much. So we don't know when God's, when that promotion is coming, when that next step in our lives is coming, but we have to be diligent with what God has placed in our hands now. So here's a few questions I can, that I can ask. Do, do people have to wonder, does your boss have to wonder if you're going to be here on time to work or if you're going to show up to work? And do your family have to wonder who's going to walk in the front door? Being steadfast is being consistent. Is your family worried about like when you walk through the front door, if you had a good or a bad day? I think it's important that we need to be consistent in, with our attitudes, with, the way, with our work ethic, and then being steadfast through trialing times. Last thing I want to talk to you guys is this. Manly men are sanctified. Um, John, uh, oh no, sanctified. This is the definition. To make holy, set apart, and sacred. Consecrate, to purify, free from sin. Um, John 17, 16 through 19 says this. They're not of this world, even as I'm not of it. Sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. So we're sanctified by God's truth, by his word. As you sent me into the world, I have sent them into the world. For them, I sanctify myself that they may be truly sanctified. You know, we don't hear a ton about sanctification or holiness these days in the American church. And I understand like, can be kind of a sensitive issue, I guess. Like we don't want to offend anybody, right? But the truth is God is a holy God and the truth of God's word convicts us of our sin. Even after we're saved. Now, conviction and all you guys are like thinking, man, that's a dirty word. Conviction isn't a dirty word. Condemnation is a dirty word. When we're condemned, God, the devil brings condemnation on us for the things that we do and then that just leads to more sin. The Holy Spirit through God's word gives conviction and helps us to change. And uh, that's that's what we need. We need to feel that conviction. We hear a lot about grace though and today. That's like the hot topic. That's like the, the big time word. It's like, you know, anybody and everybody's preaching on grace and God's grace is great. It is good. And I'm thankful for it. Thank God for his mercy and forgiveness, right? Like there's nothing that I, there's no good works. There's nothing, no amount of good things that we can do to earn righteousness, to earn our right standing with God. Um, it's a free gift. That's what That's what grace is. But if we're not careful, we can kind of abuse that grace. We can kind of go too far with it. And um, we need to know, we need to have a true understanding of God's grace. And, and the, th- the thing about sin is that it, the Bible says the wages of sin is death. And what death is biblically is separation. So we all know what death is like. When you lose a family member, it's the separation that hurts. You don't get to spend time with them anymore. They're not there around family, you know, certain family holidays. And it's that sting, that sting of separation that, um, that death brings. But the, the truth is that even as Christians, even as Christ followers, even after we've already put in, been put in our right standing with God, sin can still separate us from God. Now, I know a lot of you guys are thinking, but the Bible says, you know, God will never leave me or forsake me. And that's true. But what happens is when we're living a habitual lifestyle of sin, um, we choose not to go to God. The reason we do that is because we know God is a holy God and it's our choice. And in our inner man, we know, like, hey, I know He's holy, so I'm going to go ahead and avoid Him because I'm looking at porn or whatever. Like, that's just something men face or whatever the, the case may be for you. If you're in this just a habitual lifestyle of sin and there's a sin that you're facing that you can't beat, you you try to avoid God because you know he's holy, but you shouldn't avoid him. You should go to him with it. And uh, that's, that's something that we have to learn is to go to God whenever we're struggling or facing something. But if we just choose to live a certain way, if we're just making that choice, like, I know I'm not going to give this up, then that's automatically, it's going to create separation, not because of God, but because of our own choice to avoid him. 2 Corinthians 12, 8-9 says this. Um, I kind of learned that I was thinking about grace and, and this verse came to mind for some reason. 2 um, Corinthians 12, 7-8. In order to keep me from being, becoming conceited, this is Paul talking. I was given a thorn in my flesh, a message from Satan to torment me. Three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me. Next slide. But he said to me, May, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I boast all the more gladly about my weakness, so that Christ's power may be may rest on me. Here's what I think about grace. This is what this is my view of grace. Is is this? God's grace is not so much his ability to forgive our own unho- unholy living, as it is his ability to empower us to live a holy life. So, if we view grace as like a get out of jail free card. We're going to live our life in a manner that would show that. But if we choose to see grace as an empowerment, like, hey, God's grace is enabling me to live holy, then our life will reflect that. I think often we forget that the Bible even has anything to say about holy living or, or the way we conduct ourselves. This is what Ephesians says in, 4, in chapter four, verse 17. It says, so I tell you the truth. I tell you this and insist on it in the Lord that you must no longer live as the Gentiles do. So there should be a difference between the way we look and the rest of the world looks. Um, Next verse or next slide. You were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off the old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires to be made new in the attitude of your minds, which making new in an attitude of your mind is literally, that's like repentance. So in the next slide put on the new self, created to be like God in the true righteousness and holiness. So we're created to have that life, that holy life, but that life actually looks like something. There's a, there's a big difference between the way we look and the way the, le- the rest of the world should look. And um, that's what I'm, I'm saying. Like we, we, we actually have, actually does look like something. If we look like the rest of the world, if we're just a bunch of sinners saved by grace, it, it's not gonna be appealing to the rest of the world. I, and, and I know back in the day, there was a moment in time where, the church got really religious and really strict on rules and all this stuff. And and I think what's happened is like we've swung the pendulum the other way a little bit too far because now the church is starting to look like what the heck is going on? Like there's no difference. And that kind of freaks me out a little bit because in this day, in this time, we need men who are going to stand up and and stand for righteousness and stand for holiness and stand for some of the stuff that, you know, the Bible tells us that. I I mean, I read through the, the New Testament and there's so much more. There's so much more just about how we live and the way we conduct ourselves as men of God, as men of Christ. And so that's what I want to encourage you guys with is don't, don't abuse that, that grace that God has given us. That God's grace is an empowerment. It's not an excuse. It's something that empowers us. And, and when we live in that, when we we're, we're remind ourselves, just like that verse says, hey, I've been made righteous. I got, because of Jesus, I don't have to live that way. This is actually who I am. And when we have that realization, it helps us to live that holy life. So encourage you guys, man, be, live a life that's submitted. Be submitted to God's, Be submitted to your leaders. Um, be steadfast. Steadfast through trying times. Be steadfast and consistent with your words. And then be sanctified, man. And, and, and does this mean sanctification? Does this mean that we're just going to stick our noses up at, at everybody? Does it mean like because we're righteous that we're not going to reach our hands out to the, the hurting and the loss of the world? No, that's not at all what it means. When we're sanctified, we can still be sanctified and inclusive. Take a look at that verse, actually, again, in the very beginning. They are not of this world, even as I'm not of it. Sanctify them by your truth, your word is truth. As you've sent me into the world, I've sent them into the world. For them, I sanctify myself so that they can be truly sanctified. So we're supposed to take this sanctification to the world. We have to be sanctified, set apart, holy, and inclusive. So you can do both. Jesus was both. He was a person who was completely committed to being holy and honoring God with his life, but he was also completely devout and, and committed to reaching the lost and those people that were around him. So we can't get so caught up in like, oh, I'm holy, holier than you, or having your nose stuck about people that we forget that we have to reach out to the rest of the world. We need to be the friends of, of sinners. That's who Jesus was. He was known as a friend of sinners, but you can do that without, you know, looking like everybody else and there being no difference between us and the rest of the world. So I just wanted to encourage you guys with that, man. When I was five years old, my mom tells me the story of when I got saved. I got up and it was night church again. And I walked up to the front and the pastor had given, he kind of given the call to salvation. And and as I, my mom said, as like, I don't remember it, she says that I walked up, some little boys, a few of my friends kind of got up and followed me to the front to receive Christ. And and for me, when my mom told me that story, I don't remember that, but it kind of marked me and it kind of let me know that no matter what I'm doing in life, whether it's a landscaper or working in maintenance or the junior high pastor, that what should define my life is that I'm leading people towards Jesus. But I wanna make sure that I'm leading them toward the real Jesus, toward the Jesus of the Bible. He's full of grace and his mercy is there and he he, he loves us and he wants to forgive us of our sins, but he's also full of truth and he's a righteous judge and one day he's gonna make everything right. So we can't, we have to take God, we have to take Jesus who he is at his word. We have to take the fullness of him and only then will we be able to really become true men. And, and to be honest, guys, I'm not arrived at, of course I've not arrived. None of us have arrived. We're gonna spend the rest of our life getting to know who Jesus is. But the more we get to know, to know him, the more manly we become. There was a video I saw a couple years ago that I think sums this whole thing up really. If, we're, if our goal is to know Jesus and become more manly, this, this video, some of you guys might have seen it, but I feel like this sums it up really well. So I wanted to share it with you guys.
2: can define his limitless love. He's enduringly strong. He's entirely sincere. He's eternally steadfast. He's immortally graceful. He's empirically powerful. He's the sick. He cleans the lepers. He forgives sinners. He discharges debtors. He delivers the captive. He defends the feeble. He blesses the young. He serves the unfortunate. He regards the age. He rewards the diligent. And he purifies the meek. I wonder if you know him. He's a key to knowledge. He's a well-trained. And a yoke is easy, and a it burden is lighter. Uh, I wish I could describe him to you. He's indescribable, he's incomprehensible, he's invincible, he's irresistible. Well, you can't get him out of your mind, you can't, you can't get him off of your hand. You can't outlive him, and you can't live without him. Well, the Pharisees. But they found out they couldn't stop him. Tyler couldn't find any fault in him. Terror couldn't kill him. Death couldn't handle him, and the brave couldn't hold him. Hey!
1: that's my key. That's my key. I want to pray for you guys really quick. If you'll bow your heads, Father, thank you so much for the opportunity I've had today. Thank you so much for sending your Son to die on a cross for us. Lord, we know that we're not worthy of it, but thank you, Father. Thank you for all you've done for us. If there's anybody here, I don't know, I don't know who I'm talking to, but maybe you, you've you never accepted Jesus as the Lord of your life, or maybe you've been living a life and, and you've not really accepted the true Jesus. You've just kind of been doing life on your own terms and you've never really made him your king. He's He might be somebody that you go to church to and you think about every once in a while, but he's not the king of your heart. If that's you today and, and you want to Recommit your life to Christ, or maybe you've never done it before, and you want to you want to commit your life to Christ today. Just lift up your hand really quick, and we'll pray a quick prayer with you guys. Just want to make sure before we leave that everybody's right with God. Is there anybody at all? Awesome, that's good news. Well, thank you, Father, once again so much for this opportunity. I had to speak with these guys. Lord, help us to be men who are going to be um, steadfast through trials. Help us to be men who are going to be submitted to the authority that you've placed over us. And Lord, help us to be men who are sanctified, and help us to reach out to those around us and share the gospel with the men and the other people around us. Father, we thank you so much in Jesus' name. Amen.
0: Thank you, Brandon. That truly is the art of manliness, God's man. I'm excited to uh, let you guys know about November 7th coming up. really proud of our, to announce our next speaker who is joel david wyland also known as j david jewelry uh during the nine months prior to joel being born there were three different occasions that his mother's life was nearly taken from um freak accidents next uh, month we'll find out what satan has tried tried to do to stop since before he was even born even stopped uh, and, and never stopped trying hear how god has helped him conquer fear and let it be his driving force those of you who know uh Joel know that he is a guy who's known for being very generous, and you can't be around him very long. I was driving by um, one weekend after one of my son's football games down Memorial, and I look up and there's this huge rally going on, and I was like, "What is going on?" It's in the middle of this open field, and it was a, a rally for a, a, a veteran family that Joel had done, and I was so just floored that that whole. There were tons of people out there. They gave away cars. They gave away all kinds of stuff to this family very deserving family, and it was something that just Joel did on a normal day-to-day and then moved on about his business. So, so grateful, and I know that hearing from people like that always inspires me to be, uh, you know, to to run my race, just like we heard this morning, run your race. Whatever God's called you to do, do it with all your might, and so Joel is one of those guys. Joel will be speaking on a great topic that we all face, uh, dealing with fear of failure, because I think we all deal with that on a day-to-day basis, and so I'm very excited about that in November. so that's what I have today. Thank, thank thank, you for being here today, Brandon, and um, what a great word for all of us today, and I know there's so many pieces of that I take away as I, was, as I was sitting there, and we will email you those notes from today, too, in case you weren't taking good notes, which a lot of us uh, don't always do, uh, but also know it'll be on, on the podcast. Um, I want to mention, too, it's also on SoundCloud, so if you go to soundcloud.com, it's very easy to find uh, this podcast there, as, as well as iTunes podcast, uh, COT on Men's Breakfast, so um, one last prayer before we go, and then I'll get you out of here. Lord, thank you so much for the opportunity to be about your business this morning, even on a Friday morning, Lord, early. I thank you that uh, we heard from you today, God, and I pray that you uh, bless Brandon greatly for the amount of time and effort and 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 time he put into what he spoke on today, Father, and I thank you that we can be your your man, Lord, everywhere we go. Lord, we can be your guy, Lord, whether it's to be the greatest dad there ever was, to be the greatest husband. Lord, help us to be in that space when we're there, Lord, and give it our all every single day, Father. I thank you that we're sensitive to the people around us, Lord, that are constantly in need and need uh, what we have inside us. Lord, if it's just one simple word from you, Father, I know it's uh, your word has ability to change lives every single day, Lord, but we have to be uh, connected to you and connected to your Holy Spirit to know what it is we're supposed to say and the hour we're supposed to say it, Lord, thank you we've been with you today. Father, I pray a great blessing over these guys today and the time they sowed here. I pray they walk away, Lord, inspired to be the man that you've called them to be. In Jesus' name, thank you. Amen. Thanks, guys.